0: And how much do you want to bet given human nature? My final thought on the subject that night, as I was drifting off to sleep in Bogota was I even bet there's a spirited competition in that McDonald's restaurant between the first floor and the second floor. And I bet they compare notes because it's just human nature to want to do well you're having fun
1: episode 178 a discovery in bogota colombia that can help your business you're listening to the game changers with jason jennings leadership lessons in speed productivity growth innovation and reinvention now here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker jason jennings and your host dale dixon Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential with 1.3 million listens and downloads and growing every week. This is The Podcast with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. Jason, fresh off the airplane from Bogota, Colombia, tell us about this adventure.
0: Wow. Well, first of all, let me begin by saying it's my, uh, I guess it was my fifth trip to Colombia. Uh, I've been there for a couple of intensive language programs. I've done a few speeches there. Uh, but for those who are not familiar with uh, Bogota, it's this bustling, incredible city with um, 12 million people, uh, 1 million cars, 300,000 Uber drivers. 15,000 restaurants in the city. Uh, it's, it's booming. It's bustling. It's safe. It's young. It's absolutely, absolutely incredible. But uh, this speech, something happened before we get to the discovery that I made in Bogota. Can I tell you about it? Please. All right. So I was doing the closing speech for this conference. And I attended the conference most of the day. And uh, most people were speaking in English. Uh, there were a couple who spoke in Spanish, and uh, for those who spoke in English, they had the simultaneous translator at the back of the room, and everybody wore headphones. So right before me, uh, there's a 35 year old guy, 33, 34, 35, an entrepreneur uh, who had enjoyed some success in the United States, a couple of failures in the United States, made some money, lost some money, and uh, but had been born in Colombia adopted by a couple in New Jersey at six weeks of age, so grew up in the U.S., and three years ago, he decided he was going to move to Bogota, Colombia, and he was going to begin a couple of high-tech ventures there. So, all good so far, right? Absolutely. Now I'm curious, even more curious. All right. Well, let me tell you where the guy lost it, and I mean lost it. He got up on stage a bit of a cocky prance to him, uh, far more than the success he's had, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with confidence. I guess he looked out of the audience and he said, uh, good afternoon. Everybody said, uh, good afternoon. And he said, I've, uh, I've lived in Bogota now for three years. And sadly, I haven't learned one word of Spanish. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would you start your speech that way?
1: Breaks all the rules of connecting effectively with an audience.
0: Well, everybody looked at one another and kind of looked down. And I thought it was kind of like flipping the middle finger at somebody. How can you live someplace for three years and not learn any of the language? I mean, I was was saddened. I was angered. I was outraged. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm jumping in the pool today. So, as you know, I've been studying Spanish for about 11 years. Anybody who thinks it's an easy language uh, is absolutely wrong. I studied French as a kid, was an exchange student in France. That came easy. In my 20s and 30s, I studied German. I will not say that came easy, but I got it. Uh, But I'll tell you something. When you take up a foreign language uh, when you're 50 years of age, and and the most complicated foreign language, because... Uh, Every verb can be conjugated about 30 different ways. There are expressions that make no sense grammatically that are just rote memorization and use over and over. And I thought, well, okay, he's been here three years, doesn't speak a word of Spanish. So the man introduced me in Spanish. I walked up on stage, and I did the first five minutes of my speech in perfect Spanish. And what did the crowd do? Let me tell you exactly what the crowd did. At one point in time, I said... Uh, and now, um, no tengo suficiente, uh, no tango suficiente vocabulario de negocios. I, I, don't have enough business vocabulary to do my entire speech, uh, in Spanish. Uh, pero una día en la futura, uh, voy a dar un, uh, uh, in, uh, uh, in, in, todo, uh, un discurso. And uh, everybody stood up, standing ovation, shouted, perfecto, perfecto, mas, mas en español. How do you think that uh, young guy who hadn't learned uh, one word of Spanish in three years in Bogota felt? He was probably
1: sinking in his seat or sneaking out the back. He but, slunk out the back door. He slunk yeah. out the back door. But I think that, the, you know, let's go to the, the lesson this teaches us just about, I'm thinking from a business perspective, the opportunity to really connect and know your customer and yep. to figure out the best way to serve your customer it's as simple as that you you have a business you're in business you go and you share knowledge with audiences around the world you had to know your your customer you've been working at this craft of learning spanish for 11 years and the impact it had yeah it's significant and it and it applies to every whatever your business when you know your customer at that level and you can communicate with your customer at that level it's amazing the impact you can have.
0: Well, I will tell you that, uh, you know, I, I generally don't paint with a bad brush, but I, I, I believe that part of the Latino uh, culture is allowing your head to meet your heart and uh, not being afraid to display some of your emotions and, and just being a little bit warmer uh, than people in colder northern climes. And I'll tell you something from the moment I did that, the audience was with me. Every step of the way, and afterwards, I was literally surrounded by hundreds of people wanting to hug me and shake my hand and telling me how beautiful my Spanish was. It was—we had a love fest. Mm, that's
1: fantastic. Okay, so you stumbled across something that had a profound impact on you beyond that story. Yep. What was? Yep, it? I did.
0: All right. So here's the story. And some people are going to say, is that all there is? Uh, but don't do that because this is really potentially very, very big. So when I'm in another country, whether well, I mean earlier this year in Cambodia and Vietnam, and Singapore, and Hong Kong or wherever I happen to be, I really like to immerse myself in the culture. And that means walking the streets. That means eating local food. That means talking to local people, wandering through local stores, just trying to get a sense of the vibe and of what's going on. And so, uh, so during my first uh, four or five days in Colombia, I was uh, completely immersed in in their culture. And one of the big things is I try to walk about ten miles a day when I'm on these. When I combine a couple of days of adventure with the speech, so um, I, I'd been walking already about ten miles that day. And Bogota is at like 9,000 feet. So you're just grateful you're not walking up big hills because uh, it takes you a couple of days to get used to the altitude. And all of a sudden, I looked ahead and I saw the golden arches of McDonald's. And I thought, now am I going to do this? Yeah, I am. I'm going to take a break and retreat into myself. And I wouldn't go to McDonald's more than a couple of times a year. But I wandered into uh, into the McDonald's. I had a Big Mac and a Coke. And, uh, ordered obviously in Spanish, went and sat down and was enjoying the Big Mac and Coke. And, uh, all of a sudden, as I was finishing this young woman, uh, walked up and in Spanish, she said, um, would you like an ice cream or a dessert? And I said, uh, yes, I would. What kind of ice cream do you have? And she gave me the flavors. And I said, um, I would love to have a vanilla ice cream with some chocolate sauce. And she gave me the price. I paid her. And a minute later, she came back and put it down in front of me. And then I watched her go to another table, and another table, and another table, and another table. table. I nursed my little thing of ice cream for about 15, 20 minutes. I was amazed at what was going on. And in the 20 minutes I observed her, she made like 10 sales. And I thought that is really cool. And I started doing some math in my head. I mean, if you're doing 10 sales in 20 minutes, I mean, you could be doing 30 sales an hour, 20, 30 sales an hour, and uh, uh, that could be a couple of hundred uh, per uh, per shift. You got a couple of shifts a day, that could be 400 extra sales. And then uh, finally, as I was walking out of the restaurant, I thought, where do those stairs go? So I walked up the stairs and here's a seating area larger than downstairs. And they've got a woman up there, a young woman up there doing the exact same thing. So when I did the math, I figured out they could generate 800 extra sales a day and the average dessert there is priced at about $2, but that's $1,600 a day. That's a half million dollars a year in incremental revenue just by asking somebody if they would like a dessert. Wow.
1: Would you have bought an ice cream if
0: nobody would have come to ask? No, I wouldn't. No, no. I I would not have gone and walked back up to the counter and ordered an ice cream. No, I wouldn't. Okay. I think most of us are
1: the same, but you had presented the opportunity. Yes. You took it up. You took her up on the, on the opportunity.
0: And it was amazing to me that almost everybody was.
1: How much money are businesses leaving on the table? Because they just don't ask the question.
0: Well, and, and, and that's interesting over the years. uh, I've been asked the question, Many, many times I've had many lively debates about what is the purpose of business. Is the purpose of business only to make money any way you can? What, what What is the purpose of business? And I have, I guess, I've come to a point where I actually define the purpose of business as finding, keeping, and growing the right customer. Because if you find, keep, and grow the right customer, it's all going to work. But almost every but almost every business I, I come in contact with does a lousy job. Of accomplishing that, mm. and so then that leads you to that. Then that led me to think that night: how much money we spend to get a customer in the door, and that's a lot of money. A small business uh, could easily spend between advertising, social media, website, marketing, etc. A small business could easily spend twenty thousand dollars a month. I, I know many people who own small businesses that spend $20,000, 25000 dollars a month. Well, then you have to determine an accurate customer count. And let's say you've got 30 customers a day walking into your store. Well, uh, guess what? Uh, that's about 600 a month. That means that every person walking in your store, you spend $35 to get in the store. And so every customer walking in should have a Post-it note on their forehead that said, you spent $35 to get me in here. And then we have to treat customers Accordingly. And uh, many years ago, you and I did uh, a podcast on the lifetime value of the customer. And uh, yesterday, the Wall Street Journal, the front page, had the best (laughs) article I've ever seen on the lifetime value of a customer. I'm laughing because I read the same thing and was thinking of the same exact article. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You got to remember, I've been doing this stuff for 30, 35 years. Uh, Everybody else is kind of a newbie to it. And uh, if, if you haven't listened to that podcast and haven't figured out how to determine the lifetime value of a customer, uh, then I'm not even sure why you're in business. I mean, to me, that's a, that's one of the starting points. So, so where I come with all of this is this to begin Every business should have the following things. They must have some accurate math about how many customers they're attracting into their business. Every associate within the business, everybody who works there, has to be aware of the value of a person walking in the door. Number 3, every associate working there must be trained to treat customers like the precious future they represent. And number four, it can't be willy-nilly, and it can't be something we do some of the time. It must be systematized. It must become part of the culture, and it must be done all of the time. And then finally, number five, I mean, if you really want it to happen and soar, associates must be constantly acknowledged and rewarded for great and profitable interactions with customers. And how much do you want to bet? Given human nature, my final thought on the subject that night as I was drifting off to sleep in Bogota was... I even bet there's a spirited competition in that McDonald's restaurant between the first floor and the second floor. And I bet they compare notes because it's just human nature to want to do well when you're having fun and want to be better than somebody else. And I bet, how many did you get today? Oh, I got 20 more than you got. And take great pleasure in it. So um, something small possibly. If you just want to see it as uh, somebody was selling ice cream at a McDonald's in Bogota, then dismiss it. Uh, however, I think it's much bigger than that. I'm not sure if you want to do a quick review.
1: Sure. And based on that Wall Street Journal article that talks about this lifetime customer value, and you can search it, and if you've got a Wall Street Journal Subscription, and you'd be able to access that article, but and, and,
0: the- and, and and you know and you know what I think happens. Even if you Google lifetime value of the customer Wall Street Journal, and you go there, I think even if you're not a subscriber, they give everybody two or three free articles. Okay, so awesome. there's no so there's no excuse for for anybody not to read it. But to to the points that you gave us that we'll we'll go over,
1: there is so much data available, and I would encourage a business owner to consider getting in touch with other business owners in your industry, if, if you haven't done this already, and figure out ways to access, collect, collect, access, and know the data around your true customer value, uh, lifetime value of your customer. But uh, when you say you've got to be accurate with the math... Every associate has to be aware of the value of the person walking in the door. And it's not that you're putting a dollar sign over a person's head. You're dealing with human beings, um, but it's it's that human aspect. But this idea, you get to serve that person and there's value in that. You're bringing value to the relationship. You want to grow that value. And there's definitely a return on investment there. Every associate has to be trained to treat customers like the precious future that they represent you got to have a system, and that really speaks to that Wall Street Journal article and our podcast that we talked about, where we talked about this way back when. And then acknowledge your associates, your employees, those people on the front line who are and reward them for doing great, profitable work with your customers, truly recognizing those customers
0: for the that they hold. And I'd be willing to bet you a dollar to a donut. I'm not aware of one instance where a business owner or a business manager has shared with the employees or with the associates how much has been spent to bring somebody in the store Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, in our car dealership, it cost us $150 to bring somebody on the lot. Let's treat them like they are someone really valuable and you just have to keep saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and eventually all of these things become part of your culture and nobody can ever take them away and you end up with you end up having been a great teacher for others who will follow you
1: and the employees get a sense of ownership when you bring them in and share that type of information and yep. it makes them want to do something with the information
0: exactly is.
1: treat the customer great exactly exactly exactly
0: Fantastic. Any final words, any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I do have a final thought. I do have a final thought. The, uh, I, I, I've only had, to the best of my knowledge, three compliments in my life. Um, about 35 years ago, I was going through a drive through. I guess this is our fast food episode. I was going through a drive through a jack-of-the-box of all places. It was a Saturday afternoon. And as this young gal handed me my order, she said, God, are you a good-looking guy? That's the first time I had ever heard anybody say I was a good-looking guy. I always had lots of image issues. The second nicest thing I ever heard was when I was receiving the honorary doctorate last year. And Fritz Erickson the night before, at a reception they hosted for me, after he did this whole spiel about Jason Jennings, he said, And the most important thing I can tell you about Jason after talking to dozens of people about him is that he's a nice man. And the third one actually came from you. Uh, and I guess it might've been a year ago, a couple of years ago. And you said, I just really love when you're off on all of these trips, you just give yourself to it and you're open to new experiences or or words to that effect. Those are the three nicest compliments I've ever had. Mm. And so my final thoughts today are, are, are this, um, so how did I observe this happening in a McDonald's restaurant uh, in Bogota? And because it is potentially very, very big for incremental sales for any company. And so I thought, you know what? It's just that I work very hard to give myself to the experience, to be in the present. I try very hard to get my eyes open. And when you do that, you will always find something new, or you'll get reminded of something you knew once but had stopped doing. Such a powerful lesson.
1: Curiosity is so so important. And you know, I I heard this. I completely forgot the source of it, so I apologize that I can't attribute it the right way. But um, the the idea was, you have to move from d to c in your life when you see something number one to your point you've got to be present and keep your eyes open when you see it don't be derisive why would anybody why why is somebody going around bothering customers that's derisive right to curiosity so go from d to c why you know and, and start asking those what what's the result how's this working what's going on here powerful lesson for us today jason thank you so much
0: that really uh I'm off to this idea. I'm off to, uh, let's see it at the Mexico's Mexico city, uh, for a speech, uh, in a few days, uh, to 600 business leaders. And I look forward to our next podcast and I'll report on what I discover there. Your curiosity will reveal something really cool. I'm absolutely Uh, sure. Have a great
1: one. My friend, you do the same. Hey, all in invite our listeners to subscribe in the iTunes store. So when Jason does return, you can hear that latest update. Also, if you are on Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast, there ought to be a way to favorite it, to review it, to add it to your playlist. So regardless of what you use to listen to the podcast, be sure that you subscribe so that you get the latest episode each and every week. Also, Jason would love to hear from you. Jason at jason-jennings.com is the email address. He does his best to respond in a timely manner. And I will tell you that Jason Jennings is the author who at USA Today has called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. You can learn how to group, uh, how to your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit the website jason-jennings.com.